Please open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter number 5. Mark 5, we're going to be reading from verse 1 through verse number 20. Mark 5, 1 to 20. Please follow along with me as I read. Then came, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. He was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us into the pigs. Let us enter them. And so he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, The man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but he said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. And he went away. And began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Lord, take this word this morning, these verses from your inspired, inerrant, authoritative, and sufficient word, as recorded here by your servant Mark. Connect the dots for us, Lord. Bring us out of our 21st century and let us go 
to the shore of the Sea of Galilee just for a little while and witness this spectacular demonstration of power, of mercy, and of grace. For your Son's glory we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus did a lot of spectacular things during his earthly ministry. But the healing of the demon-possessed man called Legion is hands down my all-time favorite miracle in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three recorded in their Gospels, but Mark's version is my favorite. I think it's the best. Mark is so vividly detailed in the way that he recounts this historical first century encounter that I can remember even as a teenage Christian being so fascinated with this event that I would read it with childlike imagination and replay it over and over in my mind, even picturing myself there with the disciples, witnessing with my very own eyes this frightening encounter with a man who lived among the tombs. But before we get into the account itself, I want to point out that there are two important apologetics issues in the text that we need to be aware of that I'm not actually going to make you aware of this morning. You may not have even caught them, but believe me, there are skeptics who know the Bible better than most Christians, and they are quick to identify apparent inconsistencies as proof of error in the Scripture. And it is important that we know how to respond, but I don't want to deal with these issues this morning. I want to deal with them tonight when we can go into a little more depth. So I really, really encourage you to come back at 6 p.m. for that important discussion. But this morning I want us to step into this encounter between Jesus and Legion through the words of Mark's Gospel. And I want us to see three main ideas that bring this passage to bear on us today. And the first is that Satan wants to wreck our lives. Satan wants to wreck our lives. If you remember very little from this morning, remember that. Verse 1 says that they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. So it was still nighttime. The storm was over. It had ceased. Jesus had calmed it. And now... He, along with his disciples, had finally reached the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, but now they faced another storm, a storm of pure evil. Verse 2 says, When Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him, a, met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. You know, we don't know anything about this man where he came from, 
how he got in this condition. We know nothing of his backstory, but rest assured, friends, this man had a backstory. We all have a backstory, don't we? Unwise decisions made, sinful habits developed, spiritual duties neglected or disregarded, whatever the particulars of his life or ours, one doesn't get to this kind of place that he was at without something somewhere going very wrong. But Mark doesn't give us the details. And so this man called Legion is far more than his unknown backstory. He is a monument to the frightening reality that though we cannot see it, there is a spiritual realm, every bit as real as the natural, physical realm that we live in every single day. And in this spiritual realm exists an army of evil that wants only to wreck our lives. They want to destroy us. Ephesians 6, verse 12, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, places that we can't see. So last week we talked about the physical dangers that surround us every day. Things that we can see. But brothers and sisters, the real dangers that we face every single day of our lives are those that we cannot see. In the spirit realm, with one sinister agenda that we see on full display in this man right here in Mark chapter Look at how Mark describes him beginning at verse number 3. He says, He lived among the tombs. Three times, in fact, in this passage, Mark mentions the tombs. Verses 2, verses 3, and then in verse 5. Satan had ravished this man's life to the point that he had been driven out of town, socially ostracized and isolated from his family, his friends, total strangers, and now he was living among the tombs. In a first century graveyard, if you will. And by giving us these details, Mark is pulling back the curtain on Satan's ultimate agenda. Death. He wants to devour, to devastate, and destroy our lives until we are like this man, the walking dead. He may not do it through demon possession, or he might. Friends, don't believe for one minute this materialistic naturalism of our day that denies the reality of spiritual evil. We have an enemy, and he is real. He wants us dead. Next, Mark describes this man's out-of-control behavior. He says that, he says, no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Picture this in your mind. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched 
the chains apart. And he broke the shackles in pieces and no one had the strength to subdue him. This man was beyond intervention. No one could control him. Certainly his strength was a manifestation of his demon possession, no doubt. But whatever was happening in him physically, the ultimate thought here is that he was out of control and beyond help. And then in verse 5, Mark shows us another detail that reveals Satan's sinister agenda for all men. He was self-destructive. Look at verse 5. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. He had no rest. He had no relief. It was 24-7 emotional chaos. And he was living a lifestyle of self-harm. Cutting himself. A practice that we still see today, especially among young people. So I want to speak directly to the young people here this morning. Whatever reason you think you have to cut yourself or to harm yourself in, in any way, understand that when you do that, you are under the direct influence of a satanic evil. And whatever relief you think you feel is only a facade. It is a lie. And any form of self-harm, whether it's cutting, whether it's eating disorders, drugs or alcohol abuse, or sexual promiscuity, which, by the way, is self-harm, these represent the work of a very real enemy who will not stop until he has wrecked your life. Young people, Satan wants to drag you to hell. But whether we are 16 or 66, Satan wants us deceived, destructive, and dead. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And friends, he was devouring this pitiful man. But Jesus was on his way. This legion was about to encounter someone that he was not prepared for. And so as we move through this text, the next thing that we see here is that Jesus has come to free us from Satan's tyranny. Look at verse 6. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. And so the encounter begins to take a turn here in verse 6, as Mark again shines the spotlight on the true identity of Jesus. Jesus. 
He is the divine Son of God who has power not only over the natural realm in calming the storm, but over the supernatural realm as well. And now the tormentor was pleading not to be tormented. You see, I remember in elementary school we had, we had bullies. And there were a couple of guys in particular that used to give me a hard time in the morning while we waited outside for the bell to ring. I was always kind of a, a shy, kind of nerdy kid. You know, an easy target for bullies. But I had a big brother. And when he was around, these boys, these bullies, were not so big and tough. And friends, let me tell you this morning, Big Brother just showed up here that night on the eastern shore of Galilee, and these demon bullies finally met their match. And so Jesus wastes no time dealing with them. In verse 8, He says, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And in the next verse, we get a glimpse at just how dire this man's condition was. Look at it with me. Verse number 9. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. You see, in ancient Jewish spirituality, it was believed that to identify an evil spirit by its name was to take authority over that spirit. And maybe that's what Jesus is doing here. But by doing so, we now see the true extent of this diabolical evil within the man. Legion was a military term used to describe the largest unit in the Roman army. Somewhere between 5,400 and 6,000 soldiers. His name was Legion because he was filled with demons. Filled with demons. This was a satanic domination unlike anything else we see in the New Testament. But all the legions of hell, brothers and sisters, know their place before the Son of God. Verse 10 says, And he begged him, the the legion, begged Jesus earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. And now this encounter takes yet another turn. The dominator becomes the dominated. The ruler becomes the beggar. As Jesus brought this legion of evil into submission by the power of His divine Word. And then we see this strange sequence of events involving the the pigs. That has long been a source of many questions. 
And there are likely some things going on here that we really can't fully understand and explain. But I want to give you two suggestions as to why these unclean spirits begged Jesus to let them enter the pigs. Number one, they, they, they wanted to retain a means to enslave and destroy. The demonic realm thrives on bringing pain, suffering, and destruction to mortal creatures in this earthly, natural realm. And so whatever their exact agenda was for the pigs, we can be assured that it was as insidious and destructive as it was for the man. Secondly, both Peter and Jude, the brother of the Lord, in their letters mention a realm of gloomy darkness where fallen angels are consigned until final judgment. And it is possible that this legion of spirits, of, de- of demons, believed that Jesus would vanquish them to this dark prison abyss to wait for judgment. But as long as they embodied some physical form, they were in our realm. And so they begged Jesus to allow them to stay here. And he did allow it, didn't he? But it didn't work out the way they hoped. (laughs) Verse 13, so he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs and the herd, numbering about 2,000. Now picture this. As many as 6,000 demons, we don't know, it could have been 6 million A legion of evil entering a herd of 2,000 pigs. Mark says they rushed down the steep bank. You see, the Sea of Galilee was surrounded by mountains. They rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. What a sight! What a scene! But even these pigs, (laughs) these unclean animals, recognized in some way or another the the, the unique and terrifying evil that had come upon them, and they drowned themselves in the Sea of Galilee. Picture the irony. The spirits wanted to possess the pigs for reasons we don't really know. But Jesus sent unclean spirits into unclean animals, and the result was total destruction. But here's the greater point with the pigs. Their presence in the account indicates that the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee was predominantly Gentile. There wouldn't be herds of pigs 2,000 large in Jewish territory. This was Gentile country here. Jesus had gone straight into the enemy's camp, rescued the captive, and defeated Satan on his home turf, if you will. Legion's tyrannical and destructive rule in this man's life was over, was done. John 10 verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We see it here in Mark 5. But Jesus says, I have come 
that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And friends, this is the hope that we have from this passage, that Jesus has come to free us from the tyranny of sin and Satan. No matter what your condition is this morning, if Jesus can deliver this man from a legion of hell, He can deliver you. And so lastly this morning we see that we all respond to Jesus. <laughs> we all respond. Everyone here this morning will respond to Jesus one way or another. Look at verse 14 with me. The herdsmen, notice the plural there, the herdsmen fled and told it to the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. So the herdsmen... Many, there's probably multiple, we don't know how many, but the herdsmen ran into town and throughout the countryside and told their story to everyone they saw about how Jesus cast this legion of demons out of the man and how they drowned their pigs. And the people who heard it said, we must go see this. This is a story that just can't be true. And they found the man with his clothes on in his right mind, miraculously transformed, sitting with Jesus. And friends, I think the implication here is that he was sitting at his feet. Because in verse 6, he falls down at his feet. But that was... Legion. And now this saved, delivered, and healed man sits in submission and gratitude for what the Lord had done for him. Perhaps he would have sung words similar to those of Charles Wesley. Long my imprisoned spirit lay fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. And I rose, went forth, and followed thee. That was his song. Is it your song? This morning, friends. Has Jesus done this kind of miracle for you? This is a miracle of conversion. This man was never the same. But the herdsmen and the town people didn't think Jesus had done such a great thing, did they? In fact, they begged him to leave. <laughs> This is how they responded to Christ saving grace. And friends, isn't it shocking 
that they would have rather had a legion of demons in their country than the Son of the Most High God. That is shocking. And oh, friends, is this not what we are presently seeing in our nation right now before our very eyes? We are doing everything we can to get Christ out of the United States of America. This culture does not want Him here. Over the past 12 months, we've seen, to our shame, our government managed to convince way too many believers that online church is really the same as sitting in the pews. And now, the Barner Research Group is estimating that one in five churches in America will permanently close their doors as a result of the COVID pandemic. Brothers and sisters, that is 20% of churches that were open a year ago will close their doors. We're seeing an out-of-control cancel culture erase anything and everything deemed offensive to them. And friends, don't think, don't make the mistake of thinking for one minute that this is about Dr. Seuss or about Mr. Potato Head, Aunt Jemima, Confederate monuments, or the racist history of the United States. Friends, those are all just collateral damage on the way to their real target. Friends, they're coming after this book. They're coming for this. Because everything that fallen sinful man hates in our rebellion against our Creator is right here in this book. And we want it gone. We want it erased from our view so that we will no longer have to deal with its claims upon our lives. We are, as a nation, just like these people on the Galilee's eastern shore. We want Christ gone. But those who have experienced His saving, delivering, healing grace respond differently to Jesus. Verse 18. As He, Jesus, was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged Him that He might be with Him. There's a lot of begging in this account, isn't there? You know, to circle the, the times the, the verb to beg shows up in this account. But this man begged Jesus that he might be with him, and Jesus would not allow it. He did not permit him, verse 19, but said to go, said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, that's a region of ten, ten or so Gentile cities there, how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. While the people were sending Jesus away, Jesus was sending this man out as a witness to the transforming power of a Christ 
who saves radically to the uttermost. And so here we are, 2,000 years later on a cold Sunday morning in New Jersey, still marveling at this man's glorious testimony. Oh, friends, what a witness the Legion has been for Christ. What a witness. What a testimony. But he is no longer called Legion, friends. We don't know his name, but it is blood washed. It is redeemed. It is chosen. Maybe you're here this morning or you may be watching and you feel eerily like this man once called Legion. You may not be demon-possessed, but you are no less in bondage to the power of sin and Satan. Indeed, as Charles Spurgeon once said, our sins may rightly be called Legion, for oh, how many they are. Maybe it's a secret addiction to pornography. Maybe you're dominated by out-of-control emotions, like this man, crying night and day. Maybe it's chronic insecurity or fear. Maybe you are held captive by the opinion and approval of others. Maybe it's discontent, greed. Habitual lying or some other satanic tyranny that enslaves you. Perhaps, friends, it's the tyranny of self-righteousness. You may not think that you're all that bad of a person. I mean, you're certainly not like Legion. You try to live a good, clean life. Friend, if that's you, you need to be delivered most of all. Because you're enslaved to your self-righteousness and you can't even see your need for Christ. But we all stand guilty. You, me, the little lady at the counter at Walmart. The bus driver is guilty. The librarian is guilty. The children in this room this morning are guilty before a holy God. And unless we come out of our tombs, which we can't do on our own, but unless we flee to Christ like this demoniac, we will suffer a fate far worse than the pigs. We will be condemned forever in hell. Now I know that's not popular to say, and saying it might one day get me canceled, but just because we suppress the truth doesn't make it any less true. Whatever it is, friends, this morning, let's come out of the tombs of our sin and and self-righteousness like this man and let's run to Jesus, bowing down before Him, who will deliver us from the enslaving grip of sin and Satan over our lives. So friends, when when this sermon is over and Christ has met us here as He already has, He meets us among the tombs of our lives through His Word. Will you be like the townspeople who send Him away because He just upsets 
the status quo of their lives far too much. He cost them too much. Or will you be the man transformed? Will you be the one who was known, who was formerly known as Legion, but was transformed by the grace of the Son of God who wants, and, and wants nothing but to sit at the feet of Jesus and follow Him wherever He goes. Is that you this morning? Oh, friends, may Christ transform us today like He transformed this man so that our lives would bear witness even for 2,000 years like this man to the saving, spectacular, sovereign mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray.